0: We must search for what is truth you doubt me seek
1: proof what
0: is truth and what is god the first duty is to the truth whether it's scientific truth or historical truth or personal truth then here is the proof you seek you don't really want an answer to that question
1: Welcome to the AXPX Podcast, honest conversations about faith, doubt, disbelief, hope, and everything in between. I am your host, Sean DeRager. I want to thank all of the new listeners that have uh, joined up and subscribed. If you'd love to leave a little uh, five star review over at iTunes, it'd be insanely welcomed. Or on Stitcher or Google Play, wherever you listen, if you can rate the show, that'd be fantastic. You can follow us on Twitter and join the conversation there at TheAXPX. We're also on Facebook, and I throw this up on YouTube as well. You can find all those links over at TheAXPX.com, as well as a link to our Patreon. If you like what we're doing and you want to send some support our way, it's only a dollar a month. I do a little mini podcast each week called... The AXPX Diaries, and it's something a lot more personal about my personal faith journey, things that I've realized through the week about myself, about uh, my, you know, my roller coaster ride, my my tug of war with God and who God is. So I do that over at the AXPX Diaries, which you can get by becoming a patron saint. But let's jump into this week's show. I'm really excited about this next series that we're about to do. And have a lot of great people lined up to talk to. So let's just jump right into this right now.
0: Hi, this is Joy. Feminism is not a ladies issue. Feminism is a human rights issue. Men and women need to be concerned about feminism. So... That's what I'm calling to say. The best thing we can do for feminism is to help people understand what it is. And what it is is just making certain that you have the same rights no matter if you happen to be born female or born male. That's what feminism is. If you want to watch how it works, you need to become sensitive to looking at things like the Senate hearing and watching how Camilla Harris er, does not get to interrupt anybody or she's reprimanded. But the male senators can interrupt as often as they want without being recommended. If you are attuned to picking up on when feminism happens, you'll start to feel those things worse than chalk and, or fingernails on a blackboard. You will all of a sudden go, what is with that? So we need to train little boys and little girls both to understand what feminism is not just the ladies thanks for taking on the topic it's an important one for all of us
1: recently on twitter a woman was frustrated that there weren't more progressive theology focused podcasts hosted by women i'd recently stumbled across the podcast "Azer uncaged hosted by lauren r.e larkin and sarah terrace so i quickly recommended that podcast In an attempt to add more theology or progressive podcasts hosted by women to the list, I realized that there weren't very many. Hell, most of my podcast episodes, I've interviewed men. With this episode, we begin a series I'm calling Ask Me About My Feminist Agenda, inspired by the events with the comic book Mockingbirds writer Chelsea Kane, in which she deleted her Twitter account after being harassed by men for creating a feminist hero. Mockingbird was far from the first feminist superhero, and we've seen more mainstream movies such as Star Wars The Force Awakens, Rogue One, and most recently Wonder Woman embrace a strong heroine. In coming weeks, I hope to cover the many angles to feminism and its relation to our current society and culture. Today I sit down with Azer Uncaged host Lauren R.E. Larkin to discuss her reaction to what's been called the Billy Graham Rule. And then Sarah Terrace joins me to discuss her new book, Women and Lust, Dealing with Female Sexuality and the Church. Today we're chatting with Lauren R.E. Larkin. Uh, Her website is laurenrelarkin.com. So, Lauren, welcome. Hi. Um, The reason why I wanted you to come on the show was because... Oh gosh, I'm having a brain blank on our on our vice president's name. Penn. Pence, Mike Pence. <laughs> <laughs> this you is wait. how much I try to block uh, this administration <laughs> from my brain.
2: I only remember it by doing trumpets because <laughs> someone made it funny back in the uh, during the election about uh, Pence being cho- uh, chosen because the signs now read trumpets.
1: Trumpets. The trumpet. Trumpet. Ah, well, he, I mean, a-, a while back, I would say probably about a month and a half ago, he-, he came out and said basically that he doesn't go out to dinner with any woman alone, uh, other than his wife. And, you know, a, a lot of reactions kind of came back and forth from that. A lot of people on the far religious right were like, well, that makes sense. And then a lot of people on the liberal left were like, whoa, you know, this is ridiculous. Uh, you're a weirdo. Um, and so I started kind of getting in these conversations online back and forth. And for me, I was, my, where I stand, my stance was, well, like, that's something that he believes he has the right, you know, the right to believe that. And I got in some conversations here and there with certain people who agreed or disagreed. And then, uh, you had posted something on your Twitter, uh, about the Billy Graham rule and, yes. This is a common thing in more of the evangelical circles and I've dealt with this myself. Uh we can get into this in a little bit and so I my my main goal was to talk with you about that, but before we jump into the Billy Graham rule, um I if, if you can just have a chance to introduce yourself, um you do have a podcast Azer Uncaged that uh we definitely wanted to talk about and just if you if you don't mind just let everyone know a little bit about yourself and and your background.
2: I hate talking about myself. <laughs> I legitimately. Um if you don't ask me questions, you'll get nothing interesting. You'll you'll get that I wake up at 4 a.m. and I go to bed at nine and everything else in between is a wash. Um I uh I work on I, I will talk about A's are uncaged. Uh, my partner in crime there is Sarah Terrace, and we are um as thick as thieves. Um, on on air and off air. Uh, and um, the, the whole premise uh, behind the podcast was um, using the research that I had done through my first master's degree um, and combining a sort of a lay voice with a, an academic voice. And so uh, when we uh, for the first part of the first season, you can kind of tell that there's, you know, there's there's they I'm the academic and she's the layperson. <laughs> but um, both of us, you know, coming at certain texts that have typically been used to um, kind of oppress, oppress women um, and reexamining them and um, just sort of providing Usually um, or often a new way to understand um, the, the scripture or the passage um, or an alternate way of um, understanding it or bringing to light some aspects of the original language or the original culture or whatever, where we get some of the language um, and allowing the modern hearer to hear the passage in its cultural context um, and then allowing the reader to maybe then, you know, and guiding the the, the listener, I should say, reader Um, the listener to maybe see it, uh, differently if we take it now into our context. Mm -hmm. Um, so.
1: So what what drew you into studying, you know, theology? Because it's, I, it's something that I've always been interested in, but I never made the jump into actually studying theology.
2: Um, I don't come from a Christian household. Mm -hmm. Um, I, at best it's agnostic, um, uh, my brother is actually a, a professing atheist. Okay. I'm the only Christian um, professing, I guess, uh, Christian for, I mean, multiple generations. Um, so what what drew me to it wasn't some sort of like familial or traditional aspect. It was that my life fell completely apart while I was working on Wall Street. And um, it was just literally... Um, Every aspect of it was falling apart and I had a very significant come to Jesus moment. Um, And about a year after that event, a year and a few months, I quit Wall Street and took an internship to do youth ministry at the church that I was attending. And during that time, I was ver- I would voraciously read whatever books were in the uh, youth pastor, also the assistant rector's office. The pastor or the rector of the church caught wind of it and thought, "Hmm, she's reading textbooks at this point. Maybe <laughs> we should send her to seminary." So he t- they talked to me about it, and I thought, you know, I'm really I'm not I'm not I'm not really in this for anything else. I really like the aspect of theology. i was always prone to philosophy the two sort of merged for me. And, um, I said, well, you know what, my life right now is really directionless. So why don't we go ahead and do it? So I, um, I went off to seminary and earned a Master's of Divinity, where I focused primarily on biblical studies. And then um, two years later, after the birth of my second son, I wound up uh, going back and getting a Master's of Sacred Theology, where I focused on um, systematic theology, uh, doctrine of justification, social justice, specifically uh, our penal system and the death penalty. Mm. Um, And and really read into deeply uh, Eberhard Jungel, um, a German theologian. I believe he's still kicking. He's pretty old now, but I think he might still be around. So, so that's how I got into it. Um, I just, it was a, um, I wasn't, I was never a good student in college. I went to an excellent school. I was your classic, um, C student. And, uh, so I never thought I'd really go on to get more education. I didn't really like it, but, um, Mm -hmm. something happened in that, I would say conversion moment, I guess, (laughs) where, um, I, just wanted to know more about this thing that had, in my opinion, had saved my life.
1: Very nice. And and where specifically did you get your uh, the, the degrees in theology from?
2: I went to Trinity School for Ministry, which is about twenty miles outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So go Steelers, go Penguins, <laughs> and the Pirates. We just, you know, yeah, go ahead, go Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway.
1: And as far as like your church background, like church you're involved with right now, is it more uh, the Episcopal Church? Is that correct?
2: That's actually the church that I'm ordained in. Okay. Um, I currently attend, I'm in Western Colorado. I'm getting ordained through the Diocese of Central Florida. So there's okay. a little bit of a um, conflict of interest. So <laughs> I attend a, um, an evangelical um, Lutheran Church of America, ELCA. Okay. We have overlapping ecclesiastical, so I can I can I can help right. out.
1: Right. Which is very much different from the evangelical, uh, terms that I kind of throw out <laughs> when I'm, when I'm talking about like more mainstream, you know, Christianity, I guess. I, I don't know, because in college, my professor's wife, uh, she's evan- evangelical Lutheran and her and I had a long talk about the differences between, you know, she doesn't like the word evangelical being thrown around because yeah. evangelical Lutheran is very much liberal, social justice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, very open, uh, gay affirming. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, fa- it, it's, it's fantastic. And whenever there's an election, everyone always talks about the evangelical.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: There's a difference.
2: Very big, very big. Um, a, a friend once said to me, I'll be evangelical as long as I can define it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's like the closest thing I'll come. I've, I've told, I've told a number of people that I've, you know, gone to school with and peers and stuff that I no longer associate with the term because of how it's been thrown around.
3: Uh-huh.
2: Um, and you know, it's, it is, I mean, the ELCA is the reason why I wanted to go to that specific church, um, or denomination as opposed to, you know, I, I, study Luther. I've studied a lot of Luther and, um, I really like the way that Luther approaches preaching. And I wouldn't say that the church that I go to now is really excellent at delivering God's two words. Um, in, 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 classic lutheran form i could go to an lcms church or a more conservative lutheran church and get that exactly but i didn't want to go there i wanted to go to a church that did value equally alongside the gospel as a as a direct result of the gospel the gospel itself not a secondary issue but a primary issue the the components the 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 issues of social justice um and and elca does make that primary rather than sort of a secondary falling out of your justification
3: mm-hmm. so
2: um i i i did choose that so yes i'm you know with your with with the um person that you were just speaking about you know like it's 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 a term that what well, i think it was back in 2000 early 2000s when the media got a hold of it i thought yeah you know this is bad this is not good i had friends <laughs> who were celebrating cuz i went to a fairly evangelical conservative um, seminary and people were so excited. And I thought, no, 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 this is never good. It's never good when this happens. So.
1: Well, cause evangelical and the term itself is more being you know, evangelizing, spreading the good news exactly. and spreading the news of, of <laughs> separation. And, uh, you know, yes. uh, bigotry is the fact that is not necessarily good news. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so. Not
2: good news. <laughs> Amen. Um, Preach. So we'll, can,
1: well, when I when I mention, I'm not going to say evangelical for this conversation. We'll say more like, I guess, conservative Christian circles, I guess Great, is what perfect. we'll and try, to, I'll try to lean that way. It's hard because okay. I always say evangelical.
2: Right, right, right. Well, just, and just right now habit. they call themselves evangelical. So the terminology yeah. that you're using isn't wrong. Right. It's just, is it worth fighting <laughs> this fight that seems like a losing fight? Yeah.
1: What I love about the evangelical Lutheran was when I was going through a major deconstruction and kind of my breaking down my conservative Christian background Uh um, and coming out as gay affirming like and and being very vocal about it like gay marriage is totally fine like I don't it doesn't matter to me if you want Mm -hmm. you know if you want to marry the person you love go for it you know
3: right and
1: and I started getting a lot of I've talked about this on the show and I started getting a lot of uh negative feedback from friends who knew me as conservative Christian. And the one thing that I really helped me was the Evangelical Lutheran uh, Church had a write-up on their stance on being gay-affirming. And it was very articulate, very thoughtful, and it really, really helped me. I have a PDF saved somewhere. It was something about – it was something, something, something rather uh, about sexuality. And right uh, that was a huge positive aspect that, th- that, you know, uh, denomination, I guess, spoke into my personal journey and it really helped me. So I have very fond, uh, very fond things to say about, about the evangelical Lutheran. So.
2: Yes. And they're different all over the country. Now I live in Western Colorado and Western Colorado is, I argue is the burgundy of the red. So, <laughs> um, I made the mistake of talking about, <laughs> about some more uh, progressive concepts of politics, political theory. And I was confused because I was getting sort of blank stares. And later (laughs) my husband was like, you forget that just because you're at an ELCA church, you forget that you're also in in Western Colorado. (laughs) You're not in a conservative environment. So you have to balance the two. So I was like, oh, okay, thanks.
1: (laughs) Yeah, You always got to be aware of who's around. Exactly. Back to the main, uh, the main reason why I was interested in having you on. I mean, there's a lot of things. I've started listening to your podcast. I've started, I've read through, uh, through some of your posts on your website. So there's a lot of things. I think in the future we definitely can have some really fantastic conversations about. Cool. So I definitely want to keep that door open. Good. Um,
2: I'm glad nothing I wrote made you slam the
1: door. <laughs> oh no, no, not at all. It's, it's great. And, and actually, I forwarded some things along to my wife, who. Uh, I'm, I married a, a strong independent woman and awesome. I have always, you on your podcast, you say that you always felt more comfortable hanging around the boys, right? You know, yeah, totally. I always felt more comfortable. Like when we're at a party and with friends in the neighborhood, I always end up at the table with my wife and her friends. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> just, and don't get me wrong. I'm, I like action movies. I like horror movies. Like I, I feel too. like I'm a guy. I'm, I, I don't, you know, <laughs> I'm a guy, right? I'm interested in guy things. It's just, but on top of that, there's more that I'm interested in discussing. And of course, I'm always the guy who's bringing up politics and religion at a party. <laughs> and you know nobody really wants to discuss that you know, at these parties. So uh long way around. Where am I going here? So, so back to this Billy Graham rule and you have a fantastic Twitter thread that I read. I think I was in the gym that morning re- scrolling through your, your thread. And that's when I contacted you. I was like, wait, I need to get you on, on this podcast to talk about this. Um, I'll let you set up what the Billy Graham rule is. And then we can go into kind of your thoughts on that and how it relates to this, you know, this society, uh, the current kind of climate that we're in with this administration.
2: Yeah. So, um, I'm, I, I, only really know the Billy Graham rule through the whole hubbub about the Billy Graham rule. And wa- and reading the, that Washington Post article, um, I have to confess, I didn't get past that first paragraph because the, the way that the rule had been created and then sustained mm-hmm. was so shocking to me that I couldn't read any further. And then that's when I jumped on Twitter and I had a thread where I deconstructed So my understanding is, is that, um, (laughs) this, this, uh, story makes me laugh. Um, so Billy Graham comes back from, um, uh, he's staying at a hotel and he comes back from some segment of a, of a, of a campaign or conference or preaching something or other that he's, he's giving. And he opens up the door and there's this naked woman lying on his bed and, um, and then he, um, fled He fled the room, fled the hotel, and from there devised that he would never travel, eat, dine, converse, associate with a woman, um, apart from his wife, Ruth. And to me, the... Uh, his it, it's always been applauded like his his reaction to you know kind of shun the opposite sex apart from his wife was this way of protecting himself from this really weird random event even though i think the article talked about how the woman may have been there to destroy his career
3: yeah
2: um and um and so what happens is is billy graham is this notable preacher uh pretty famous right Uh, a little bit bit, um influential and so everyone gets wind of this rule and then they apply it to their own lives and one of the things I thought was crazy is that you wind up destroying possible fruitful relationships with women uh, out of fear. Um, and now with the gospel doesn't give us a spirit of fear, right? It gives us a spirit of freedom. Um, and there should be wisdom, sure. But again, it does, the article never said that this was you know, one of Billy Graham's closest female confidants of his entourage. It wasn't – I mean there's nothing about this woman that's been revealed that – is anything but that she was naked in his hotel room maybe planning to try to destroy his career but i don't understand how then shunning all future women from being in in a possible close relationship with him now protects his career um it doesn't the the one to one there isn't um isn't is isn't working out for me uh, uh logically or rationally yeah
1: well i think most guys if they would walk into that situation would would be weirded out I, I, I think right? most, most guys that I know, uh, would be like, yeah, this is kind of weird. Not going to be, you know, you know, I'm not going to be a part of this later. Right. You know, right. and I, I don't, I don't think it could be just down to a, a religious thing.
2: Well, and, and I, I, just the shock. I mean, as, as a woman, <laughs> I'm, I'm a very, I'm a, I, uh, Sarah and I, we, we bond over, I don't know if you listened to our, um, our sex episode, uh, but Sarah's written, it's on, agenda. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the agenda. Um, but Sarah, Sarah has written a wonderful, a uh, small book that will be coming out at the end of July, um, about, uh, lust in women and the freedom, um, and the good word that the gospel brings to women who are trapped in, uh, sexual addiction and lust. And, um, what notoriously, you know, like she and I both sort of bond over the fact that we're, you know, women who enjoy our sexuality, we enjoy sensuality. And I, as a woman, if I had opened up the door with, with a, Pretty significant libido. Like I opened up the door and there was a naked man on my bed, I would be weirded out. Like there isn't (laughs) anything. Like I would run away too because one, there's a stranger. Let's just emphasize stranger in the room. You know, I mean, I get weirded out when you know housekeeping knocks on the door. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's to me, it just he he fled and then he created this rule for himself out of fear, and then because women. And the flight from woman is so prominent, um, historically speaking, but even in the church, it's even very, very prominent, the flight from woman. Um, and I think actually Sarah has a wonderful moment on the flight from woman, um, uh, on Twitter. Um, but it's so prominent in the conservative church that this woman is just out to destroy you using her sexuality or, even then not being sexual creatures um, that you have to flee from her. And that's what Billy Graham did. He fled from her, Um, you know, just, just to out of fear. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the rule was devised out of fear, not out of some sort of, you know, I'm going to sit down and, you know, think about things. Um, He just shunned women altogether. And it's, it's not um it's it's not a it's not a beneficial rule because what happened is is that everyone else got a hold of it. And in the conservative, um the conservative petri dish, it becomes women are bad. And so you know man should be around a woman because it's going to lead to sex. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how that's happened. I went to seminary, I was I was one of, you know, like all my friends were male. I had sex with none of them apart from the one I married <laughs> 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 and we weren't even friends. Like he wasn't even in my close knit group of male friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, it, it, male female friendship doesn't necessarily always lead to, um, the, you know, me showing up in one of their houses <laughs> naked on a bed. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, I, I laugh and I, I shouldn't, and I know if there has happened, but they don't, they don't huh. happen because, you um they can happen whether or not you shun off all women. You know, I mean it's just you just wind up dragging and yeah. pushing that whole sexuality and sensuality so under the ground, into the ground yeah. that it becomes very um what do I wanna say, uh alluring, even mm-hmm. more alluring. Then if you bring it up and expose it and keep it in the light. Uh, you know, men and women are sexual creatures, you know, whether or not it's homosexuality or it's heterosexuality, you know, we do have attraction. Um, but not all of it ends in um in uh in 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 fornication.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, it and I think history is proven too if you look at church history, especially recent church history, um, you know, Jimmy Swaggart, um uh there's not not a, a lot of names aren't coming to to my mind, but you know, well, just locally in my area, you know, pastors have had affairs and it's it's happened with other churches I've been involved in in, in the Midwest. Like it does happen and even these rules can't keep that from happening. And so it's like what I would hope that a church would do would be to look past this rules and look more into like, well, what does cause this, this type of thing from happening? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's a lot more than just the opposite sex. I think there, right. it's, there's some oversimplification going on here and it's still going on. And, um, I'm hopefully going to talk to my wife about it because she went to Bible, Bible college in Oklahoma. And there were a lot of weird rules, like they would take the women into a certain room and be like, okay, women, here's how you need to act, you know, around the men in the school. I've had it happen with myself because I was involved with helping out with summer camps and it was a co-ed summer camp. And, you know, like I always do, I gravitate more towards... Uh, the strong, smart women, cause we just start talking and there's, you know, there's nothing there. And of course, I get labeled as the, I get the, I flirted with the camp director's daughter award at the end of <laughs> camp. And I'm like, there was no flirting. <laughs> She's right. Like, was well, my friend? And we, you know, and this has happened to me quite a, quite a bit. And even I worked for a Christian clothing company and, and we were at a sales event or over a weekend and meeting one of the sales, uh, women. Uh, we're just friends. Like we had it off our desks were next to each other. We had the same interest in music and we were actually working together and we went to a coffee shop to work, to send out emails, to do some inventory. And of course I'm walking back to the hotel and one of the other guys that we work with sees us. And of course the next day I'm scolded because I'm putting, it's not about me, it's about I'm putting her in a vulnerable situation,
2: right? Because she's <laughs> a someday. she's a weak woman and <laughs> she can't resist your masculine prowess.
1: Yeah, because she guess. can't
2: control herself. No woman <laughs> can control herself around a man. I mean, sheesh. Uh, I we're just helpless creatures.
1: <laughs> and and my wife knows what's going on. My wife knows me. We're in. Con- I was on the phone with her during. You know, it. it, it's, it it's frustrating how. This gets over, oversimplified in how people with good intentions are demonized by this kind of, I guess, fear of what the other person will do, of what other people will think. And here's my question to you about, because I was talking to a, a friend of mine over the weekend here, and and he he was involved with ministry for a while as well, and I mean, he told me that all this stuff is to, especially with pastors, right, is to... <laughs> Uh, flee the appearance of anything going on for for other people like do you feel like that's a valid I guess excuse for this type of thing or like what are your thoughts on that I have
2: a few thoughts I mean yes I understand I've heard that argument forever this is why (laughs) pastors will have the door open if I were to go in and meet well my pastor right now well we don't really have a pastor right now, but she was a woman, so I can meet with her with door closed, right? <laughs> um, I've had male pastors. Unless she's a
1: lesbian, I don't know.
2: <laughs> she's not. She's, she's <laughs> at least at least that we know of. At least that we know of. Um, and she's not my type uh, of woman anyway. Okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but um, it, it, I, I, I get it. I no, no appearance of anything. But I feel like that excuse itself is sort of placating the historical reasons for the Billy Graham rule. That like mm-hmm. we're rather than confront and expose and to free humanity from the from this burdensome rule we're saying things like oh to avoid the appearance of you're just placating the rule you're acquiescing to what the church is saying is the reality and that's not the reality the reality is that men and women can be friends without the appearance Or the fear of appearances. Mm -hmm. Um, So so while I understand the excuse, I don't really want to give the excuse too much legroom to move because I don't think it's going to do anything but placate and a um and bring along with it the rule. So as soon as an affair happens between a pastor and a congregant, um and again I'm being gender neutral with my language here because mm-hmm. we have it can be either way here. Um it's uh it'll be like well see see if we hadn't if we could just avoid the appearances or if we could just avoid any of the temptation. The thing is is that the the temptation The is is more than just, you know, I went to dinner with a male friend. Um, There's there's more to that than just um, than just that. It's not it's it's we can't we need to stop saying that all dinners between a man and a woman or you, um, or a man and a man or a woman and a woman and, or, or a woman and a man, try to get all the combinations correct, um, are, going to naturally lead to, um, some sort of, um, affair. That's not the truth. So many, I've had females and I, I hear more from females about this, um, females that have lost dear male friends because of the appearances of something. Right. Okay, and it's heartbreaking. I have had male friends up and stop talking to me, never gave me a reason why whatsoever, just stopped all communication with me, and I can only tell from the coolness of the wife why they stopped talking to Mm. me. Now, that's, it's, it's, that's really, that's not, that's not, we, we need to get over the appearances of things. We need to be able to, I think the more that the church would do well, the church would do well, start talking about male and men and women as friends and what that looks like. Um, And then by by doing that, we could maybe disabuse people of this notion that, you know, any relationship between a man and a woman is going to naturally, you know, devolve into some sort of illicit affair. Um, I just I, I don't I don't think that finding excuses that meet the rule really helps us out in the long run. I mean, it might get you through the night and you might sleep well thinking that you didn't have lunch with that female coworker because you wanted to avoid the appearances of something, but something broke in that moment, Mm -hmm. something broke. And it's not necessarily the relationship. It's that women now get held off to a distance. I can't meet with you alone and I can't, you know, have lunch with you alone or get coffee with you alone because I'm scared of what people might think. Yeah. Now. This breaks down so many relationships that can be mutually building and edifying and... Uh, lifting up, um, iron sharpens iron, not iron sharpens itself because it keeps the other iron fire away from it. You know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) it's the, we're, we're together, the image of God. Um, it's the, there's mutuality and equality in the garden. It's not a hierarchy. It's not about sex. It's about community and the establishment of community. Mm -hmm. So I just don't, at the end of the day, you know, like even Paul doesn't segregate you know, men and women in the churches, um, there's things that we have passages where um, he it's been argued whether or not he said certain things, um, but it's there's a there's a, a mutuality that of a, a coming together of of male and female um, in yeah. the Christian churches, which is on equal grounds. And that's radical. And we just want to we just want to disassemble that as fast as possible, because it's scary, because it's freedom. And because it's, you know, it's 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 new territory that we have to chart. And um, that's okay. You know, (laughs) Um, it's, it's okay to chart new territory to redefine things to understand things in new light. It's not, it's not gonna be the end of the world. We have a lot of great things because someone was willing to say something that hadn't been said before. So it's not. It's not good to just default to. I think, um, you know, being afraid of what people might think, or you know, it's it, the more we stand up against stuff like that. I think the more that we can get things to be um, on on equal on, on the ground that they should be on.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I, I think it's appealing to the lowest common denominator, and sure. I feel like in America, especially, I feel like we do that with everything, and. Uh, this is just another example of that, you know, instead of realizing that there is, uh, that there's nuance right to relationships and there are, uh, if you have a good circle of friends, if you have a, a healthy marriage, um, or just healthy relationships, right? You, you will be able to see the, um, I mean, no one's blindsided by an affair. Like it never just Oh, Oops. I'm having an affair. Whoops. Like, okay. no, it, it, an affair, uh, a relationship can happen in a room full of people with doors open. It, it can happen. And it's just, if you as a person realize, uh, the signs of that, if, uh, you have accountability, that's the stuff that's important to me. I've always had really good, like, accountability with, uh, my, my brother. Um, good close friends. We all had our own struggles as, especially as single men trying to do the right thing and trying to treat women with respect, right? But it was never like, you're never blindsided by a relationship. You know, I'm, I'm been married for 12 years. I, I know, you know, a lot of, I know there's a lot of women that are friends of mine, but you know, I've never accidentally, (laughs) (laughs) accidentally, you know, uh, had, had an affair or, you know, but, Every man that I've talked to who's been in a long-term relationship, like, I feel like that temptation is always there for anyone, uh, for a husband or a wife. You're all, you're gonna, if you're married for a long-term, long time, you're gonna have ups and downs and that kind of stuff does pop into the brain. But we're responsible grown-ups and we should be able to shut that down or talk to someone or have that outlet instead of Having it all fester inside and not know what to do and just, and right. or just run away from that person. Right. You know, I feel like everyone just wants to run away and doesn't want to confront and actually deal with a situation because it's easier just to, to cut a, a friendship off. It's easier just to walk away and, and not even, or not even approach a friendship.
2: Yeah. And I do think that we, um, we have a really, really, really difficult definition of marriage to uphold. Um, and it's cumbersome and it's, um, it's burdensome. And I think it's more death dealing than it is life giving. And, uh, it's, um, I think Sarah, I'm going to, I'm going to promote Sarah once again, but she does a good job about talking about the difference between lusting after someone and having attraction for someone. And we have this idea that we're only supposed to find our spouse, this most amazingly attractive human being for the rest of our lives. And I just, I have never felt that way. I've never had that expectation on my husband. I mean, I remember one time we were, I was very pregnant. When I get pregnant, I get very big. (laughs) very big. I mean, I'm five, three, and I can get just shy of 200 pounds. I get big, I make big, healthy babies. All right. But anyway, so I'm about seven months pregnant. And we're talking to this wife um, of a friend of ours. And she's gorgeous. She's wearing a strapless dress and her breasts just look amazing. And so I'm sitting there and we're, we're talking, my husband and I are talking. And so finally, we're walking to the car and it's painfully silent. You know, that silence where it's just like, something's wrong here. (laughs) Just everything felt tense. So we're getting into the car and I shut my door. I'm putting on my seatbelt around my massive belly. And I look over at my husband and I said, you know, I'm just going to make up a name. Like, didn't you think Jennifer's boobs were amazing? And he was like, (laughs) oh, I was like, they were gorgeous. Like I just, I was staring at them uh, <laughs> and he was like, the his tension lifted. He was like, thank you. And I said, honey, I never expect you to find me to be the most beautiful woman in the room. Like there are going to be so many other women that are going to taught me and I'm aware of this and this is fine. And if you look at them, I'm probably looking at them too. <laughs> you know, like it's totally okay. Like, attraction is is something completely different than I need to have this human being and object, objectify mm-hmm. it through sexual relations like there's two different things there and I think that we, in the, in the conservative church or even in our definition of marriage which I think is actually pervasive in the um in the secular culture as well it's not just a church issue at this point yeah but just that your spouse is supposed to complete you like all of those stupid, stupid movies that say you complete me have doomed us to marriage being a ball and chain. We're heading so hardcore and we live longer and divorce is going to get more rampant because uh-huh. we are placing on our spouses something that we can't place on them. Um, they cannot fulfill our need. My husband is a civil engineer. He can tolerate so much theological conversation. We're in a car ride for more than an hour. I get 30 minutes <laughs> <You know? laughs> like that's it. When I'm around, we have some other mutual couples where the guy is the theologian and then so this this the spouse, it's my friend, my friends Todd and Kelly, but when Todd and Kelly would hang out with us, Kelly and Daniel, my husband, would say, Todd, Lauren, you guys get 30 minutes to talk theology, now you have to come <laughs> join the rest of us. Um, but it's just, it's just this, you know, it's just sad to see so much destruction based off of an onerous definition of marriage. Yeah. And just this idea that you can you we're so scared of something bad happening to us that we just want to create these rules around aspects so that we can protect ourselves from the bad thing happening meanwhile you don't even know if that rule can protect you from it mm-hmm. um, and that's the thing that we do whenever like we we, we read about in, in the newspapers we read about or hear on the news um, a family losing a toddler uh, there's been over the past of years there's been a, a few instances where you know a family has lost a child um, due to something um, yeah. there was the Disneyland uh, Disney World thing and back in Pittsburgh there was a, a Pittsburgh Zoo incident and the comment on these websites or in, in response to these articles what was that parent thinking because right. we want to do is we want to create offense between us and the tragedy so that we can say tell ourselves at night this will never happen to us the Billy Graham mm-hmm. rule tells everyone who believes in it that an affair won't happen to them and it's a lie because yeah. it can't actually do that it can't actually protect you from that tragedy now I wouldn't want anyone any marriage to fall apart because of, of an affair um, but at the same time, we can't we can't fool we can't we can't um, safe proof it 100. Um, mm-hmm. percent And I think the more we try to do that, the more likely it is that maybe it actually will happen. Um, and because we wind up creating a, a, a fear, and um, we when we have that those feelings of attraction for someone else outside of the marriage, then we're going to suppress them and repress them, and that's going to mm-hmm. fester and cause a huge, huge infection. Um, and so it's really, it's, it's sad overall. So I, I went on a, probably a couple of different tangents there, but <laughs> I'm not sure we're actually, I think that the, that we would do well to just maybe stop everything, um, raise the whole entire gender dialogue and maybe start new. Um, men and women can be friends. Um, yeah. let's start from, let's start from that aspect rather than trying to say, well history has told us that men and women can't be friends and so now we need to work within that framework no the framework's broken get rid of it men and women can be friends let's start there
1: i think we need to start giving people more of a benefit of the doubt huh? and 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 go from there and you know i I've, there's a lot of people in my life that i value uh value a lot of relationships with a lot of uh, men and i value a lot of relationships with a lot of women everyone has spoken into my life and made me a better person so yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I have two very, I have two, two people that are very important to me. One is male, one is female and they both have radically, uh, altered my life. They, I couldn't imagine really not having them as friends. Um, and that's just, that's how it is. And I feel like there's just different things, that, you know, my female friend brings into my life that than my male friend does. And, and he brings in things that she can't bring in. And it's wonderful to be able to get, you know, affirmation from a male that's not affirming you because he's trying to get something else out of you, right? Yeah. Like, and that's, you know, once, if you're friends with a guy, it's, as a woman, for me, it's absolutely amazing. It's just, um, it's, well, and for me, it's just my world. Um, and I get really tired of being, shunned from the uh, from the group because I'm a woman you know in seminary it was they would uh, my male friends would try to set me up with their wives which is always awkward because I would go over <laughs> and then I would talk with them about theology and then I'd have no overlap I didn't get uh-huh. married until much later and so I didn't have kids I didn't care for many of the like domestic duties that you know many of the women were doing and so it was just like a deer in headlights when I'd go and talk to the women so most of my friends on a daily basis I'm talking with way more men than I, then I am women. And, um, when Sarah came into my life, I think, you know, cause I, I, told my husband, I was like, I've got a new friend. And he sort of looked at me and they said, and her name <laughs> is Sarah. And he was like, <laughs> you know, Oh good. I'm glad you finally have a girlfriend you can talk to. Um, but you know, I, it's, it's just, it's just, I just see so much devastation, um, occurring because, you know, of just, uh, just a breakdown in being able to address and confront and what is wrong. I know what is wrong with even being, what if you were being flirtatious at some point, Sean, mm-hmm. that's not wrong or bad. It's not like you were being, no, being human, and, <laughs> right? Like I like to flirt and I flirt with women as well, as well as men, you know? <sighs> so it's just, I just think that we just have this warped view our uh, definition of marriage that is suffocating and killing um, internally, so many people. Um, and, uh, I, I have a negative view of the institution of marriage. So, um, I, you know, and I, I've got a, you know, a decent husband and we have three beautiful children and, um, you know, things are, are, you know, normal. We've been married for 12 years or almost 12 years as well. So it's the, you know, things are still ticking, but, um, it's just, this whole idea of this other person completing me in everything
3: mm-hmm. uh,
2: that only works if you're going to hold to some fundamentalist understanding of gender roles yeah uh, and do, you know make the woman need the the man um and then he she's completed by his presence and she does all the things that he needs her to do and then you can have this you know we're just each other's ends um i don't think that's the majority of us especially mm-hmm. in an egalitarian world we need a new definition of marriage
1: yeah, I, I always looked at it as, as, you know, we, my wife and I love each other, but we're, and we both have to work and we have children and it's more of a team. We're more of a team, like team Drager. Yeah.
3: Right, <laughs> you know? right, right.
1: Like we're, we're both working. What, where, where, where can I swoop in and, and help you out and vice versa? Yeah. What do we need to do to help each other out to keep this family going and, and to make sure we have time to spend together and raise yeah. our children and, yep. You know, a lot uh, of people are more and more open to this type of of marriage, and for us it works. But that's the thing; like, I think everyone needs to see what works for them. Yeah. But, I, but holding uh, a position just because you're a male, like ho- holding that over a woman, and this whole like submissive role—um—like there's different forms of submission, but the what what, what the fundamentalists would say a submissive role. Uh, would be like a woman don't challenge your husband? Yeah. Uh, you need the husband's the head. He's the one in charge basically of the theology of our family, right? What we believe he's the teacher. Um, like I've never fallen into that mold. My wife hasn't either. Um, she's, she's fierce, strong, independent woman. Nothing's going to contain her.
2: (laughs) That's awesome. I want to meet her.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That would, that would definitely have to happen because, um, I said I I sent her along to to read some of your writing and and listen to podcasts because it's that there's a lot of things I find similar between between uh uh between you and my wife just that but I I love that sense of independence like that's what attracted me to my wife
3: yeah
1: anyway I don't well we're we're going in many different directions (laughs) and uh, we we need we need I need to wrap up yeah absolutely um but I think our society the my point is. With this podcast, especially, is that our society, uh, we need to embrace now more than ever the strong, independent women. And my wife's run into this quite a bit on having to just, just kind of being side-eyed because of her, how she is, her personality. And, you know, I, I think this is the time for, for us to embrace this even more.
2: Yeah. With, um, with the trajectory of, uh, of what's happening in in the society in terms of our leadership, I think that um, the the stronghold has to stand um, and become stronger because um, it's it's not a good trajectory. Uh, it's I don't I don't like the I always want to say machismo, but I always because I always mess up my <laughs> ch's. I learned Italian at one point, and uh-huh. now I can't say certain words ever the same. And I don't know why that is, but so anyway, I always do the hard C-H, especially with the the I machismo. It sounds better, right? It sounds a little bit more alluring. What yeah. is this machismo you're talking about? <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not a fan of it, and um, I think it's dangerous. In fact, uh-huh. uh, so uh, the stronghold has to stand.
1: Yeah. Well, my my challenge to 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 listen the listeners here, uh, if if you're a guy, embrace. Uh, The strong women in your life, lift them up, give them a platform. And especially if you're raising daughters, I have a daughter. She's my oldest. She is a firecracker and, uh, I want her to know she can do anything. She puts her mind to, there's no, nothing holding her back on what she wants to do.
2: Men and women should be friends with each other. And this, and I'm tired of seeing the devastation. I'm so tired of it. And Spouses, stop putting onerous pressure on yourself, and <laughs> on, on, on <laughs> your on your spouses. It's just not going to end well. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All
1: right, Lauren, thank you so much for for joining me and chatting about all this. My
2: pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, We have the second half of Azurun Caged with us now. Sarah Terrace. Hello. So you have a mini book coming out soon. And I want to talk about that in in just a little bit. But first, um, if we can get the the mini uh, the mini series, no, no, the mini episode of where you've come from on your spiritual journey.
4: Wow. (laughs) Or the. I
1: don't know.
4: Sure. Um, yeah, so I come from a, uh, fundamentalist background. I, um, you know, I was a kid in the nineties Baptist, Southern Baptist era of what would Jesus do? Bracelets and life way, blah, blah, blah. Um, mm-hmm. so I kind of, you know, true love Wade. So I kind of came out of that whole thing. And then, um, I got married, actually married my high school sweetheart when I was 19, and he and I joined, uh, a Bible church, um, and it was very fundamentalist, very, uh, here in California, so you know John MacArthur and that whole spiel. So this was like a, um, kind of a sister church off of that church. And so we immersed ourselves into that community for about 10 years. Um, Lots of rules, lots of legalism, um, you know, and I'd kind of had this idea that we came from sort of like a Gumby Christianity and I just wanted to know God better and be serious about my Christianity. And I felt like these people were super serious about it. And, um, They seem to know a lot about the Bible, and um, that's kind of what I wanted. You know, Uh, theology has always interested me, and I love learning it. And so I kind of dove into this thing, um, and uh, there's a lot in that community. There's just a lot of conformity to the community, um, uh, not a lot of gospel being preached, a lot of um, man laws, um, just a lot of law in general of how to keep God's favor, Um, you needed to look a certain way, act a certain way, dress a certain way, talk a certain way, you know, that whole rigmarole. And so, um, uh, where wives are subjected to their husbands, uh, they're quiet. Um, they don't give their opinion. Uh, they don't have one apart from their husbands. Um, they're sort of just housewives. Um, I've talked about it on, um, in more detail on the Azure podcast, um, but, you know, I lived my life uh, in one, just performance. I performed to try to get my husband to love me because that's what I was told. If you do these things, your marriage will be successful. Your husband will adore you. God will love you. Um, that whole thing. And so mm-hmm. I, I did all of the things and I lost myself completely. I um, always feared God that he was just disappointed in me Um And no matter how hard I tried not to fail. And, um, I remember at one point just praying, um, I, you know, I journaled back then. That was the big thing. So I remember just journaling, um, you know, God just. Please show me your love for me so that I can love you in return. Because I knew that that was somehow, I knew that was the thing that was keeping me from going to him. I would do a lot of hiding from, you know, so I thought hiding from God and just being afraid all of the time of God. And so um, I started reading through the book of John. Um, and paying really close attention to how Jesus interacted with the disciples. And what I found is that Jesus isn't anything like I was being told that he was. He was incredibly patient with sinners, um, with, uh, the people that didn't quite fit in with the religious, you know, um, of society. And, uh, it freaked me out. <laughs> uh, I thought I was crazy. Like, wait, this this isn't, you know, all of the books that have been pre-approved for me to read aren't telling me this about Jesus. And so I don't know what to do with this. And it wasn't long after that, that I went through a series of miscarriages. Um, and suffering has a way of schooling you. <laughs> um and soon after the miscarriages, I did have a pregnancy that stuck, but it left me flat on my back for four months, uh, sick. So I couldn't cook. I couldn't grocery shop. I couldn't, I couldn't do all of the things that I had been keeping up to gain acceptance from my husband, gain from what I thought, um, and acceptance from God. I just, all I could do was rest. And it was a struggle. It was learning literally to rest. And to be okay with not being able to do anything, and I just distinctly remember laying there because I was so sick and I was on medication um, to keep me from Ralphing all day. <laughs> but it was like I couldn't, I couldn't watch TV, I couldn't read, I couldn't, like I couldn't focus on anything. So I'm literally laying in one place for four months with my eyes closed, just holding on for dear life. And I just remember this, uh, not an audible voice or whatever, but just this, like. Um, everything that needs to be done has already been done for you. Now you just rest right here in my love for you. And so it was just kind of taken what I had been seeing in scripture. And now I don't have any choice, but to believe it now because everything, all of my ability has been ripped from my hands. And so um, it was just so going through that and realizing how much I'm loved in my suffering. Um, but that can apply to the rest of my Christian life, you know? So when I started feeling a bit better, it was, wait, I don't have to perform for God when I'm in the depths of suffering and despair. And I'm talking raw prayers like,
2: yeah.
4: you know, God, I asked you for the other babies and you took those right. for real. I'm afraid to ask you for this one. Like th- that's the place where you get raw and you get real, um, with your creator, you know, and so it's like you have that, and you can't ever go back to, you know, and seeing seeing how much He does love you, and and having your faith, um, just come to life in that. That, that it's not about my performance; it's about Christ's performance for me, and I'm loved, even if I just lay my ass on the couch for four months and don't move and don't serve and don't lift a finger and can't. Um, that his love is still there. And so it was kind of one of those things where after the fact, it's like, wait, it clicked. This is the Christian life. You know, I don't have to do anything. Obviously, I want to serve my neighbor. I want to love my family. I want to do those things out of, um, what's been done for me. But, but that's, that had been flipped for a long time for me. And so it was just kind of that aha of, (laughs) um, uh I often describe it as uh Jesus r- throwing me over his shoulder and running with me out of the burning building of bur- burning building of legalism because huh. that's really how I feel. Um yeah. about the whole thing. So yeah. um yeah man, so that's kind of awesome. it in really yeah. short snippet.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. Uh I know that you talk on your the first episode of Azer Caged you and Lauren give your stories and I'm mm-hmm. sure throughout your podcast you give even more stories and th- things like that. I, uh, everyone who's listening, please go to uh, write down azer azer Easy mm-hmm. E-R. dot Real great podcast. I'm so glad. I'm very happy that I, I started listening to it to it as well. I'm. I'm still behind. I know that uh, Lauren asked me if I'd uh, listened to your episode nine, female sexuality in the gospel yet, and I said no. <gasps> wow.
4: <laughs> Oh, I figured that'd be the first one I all know. of the men run to.
1: <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't listened to that yet, but as you know, as I was trying to organize us talking and and schedules and everything, um, I noticed. I looked at the synopsis of that episode, and I saw that you have a mini book that is going to be coming out in july from new growth press it's called women in lust exposed forgiven and embraced Mm -hmm. and i was very curious about what uh you had to say about that because i mean my wife and i have been very candid with each other about sexuality and and we have some really great conversations especially lately as we both have been kind of exploring and she's kind of jumped into an exploration phase of what her faith means to her Mm -hmm. and why she's feeling repressed and why she like she'll say something in the midst of people and people will give her the craziest looks because <laughs> it's the most candid and raw and uh-huh, honest thing awesome. on her mind. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how she is. And so I, I saw this. So what spurred uh, this topic to be uh, if, for this mini book. Is this your first mini book? Have you written before? Yes, I probably should is. have asked that before. This is,
4: yeah, this is the first time I'll be published. So that's wow. kind of an exciting thing. I've been blogging. Thanks. Yeah. I, and thanks for your support on Ether. Um But yeah, I, uh, I've been blogging for a while, especially when... Um, Grace kind of grabbed a hold of me and I started seeing Christ in a different way than I had before. Um, there aren't a lot of people saying this stuff. So I, um, yeah, I just started kind of writing what it was I needed to hear, what I wish that I were reading from the Christian community, um, or from the church. And, um, so, uh, yeah, Lauren and I became friends and she's actually, she's my editor on this mini book project. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that was awesome to, to kind of work with her on that. But, but it, honestly, the mini book, I kind of joke a little bit that the mini book kind of came through coercion, um, through Lauren. <laughs> she, <laughs> she's an, uh, editor through new growth press. Um, she was a key life author before I was, um, and she and I, uh, she's like a sister to me, man. Like we just have the most honest, vulnerable conversations with each other. I think that a lot of people would be jaw dropped by if they ever <laughs> heard some of the stuff. And so she knew, um, you know, we we handled sexuality. We talked about it a lot. And so she came to me. And an email a couple years ago, and she was like, Hey, I know we've talked about this subject a lot. Um, and I think you should write on it. I think you should write on, you know, lust and female sexuality. And here's the thing, uh, the, uh, I can't think of what it's called now, but the, where you submit your, um, whatever to the publisher. And she's like, here's the form for that. And I <laughs> responded in the email. Like, I changed the subject completely. Like, I ignored (laughs) everything she said and I went to something else, another subject, another uh, blog post. Hey, did you read this? Because I was wondering about this thing and totally changed the subject on her. And it took me a little while to uh, actually think about that. But, um, but yeah, so that's again, One of those things where, first of all, female sexuality is never addressed um, in church. And when sexuality is addressed in the church, usually men are getting shamed for it, um, for their lust issues. And women are being told to cover their bodies because it's your fault that these men are lusting. And I always just sat there feeling like it was a double dose of condemnation. Because here I am, a woman who's very sexual, has been since forever and I do struggle with lust and I just always found what was thundered at the men from the pulpits to be so shaming and so unhelpful because it's like yeah well we're sexual people and our sexuality is broken like we every part of us has brokenness to it so it makes sense that our that would include our sexuality and we would struggle in these ways and Um, so uh, my approach to the mini book is kind of twofold. Number one, it's to be the first one to start the conversation and say, Hey, hold up. Women are sexual beings and a, that's a gift. It's a good thing. It's not something to be ashamed of. Um, but then also come with my confession to the table that, Hey, and I'm, I'm broken in these ways. There's the way a man struggles. I struggle that way too. And, um, but then to not shame, not try to fix, not try to, here's your 10 steps how to stop lusting, because that's a joke. And to say, look, here's Christ for you. Um, you don't have to run and hide from God. Um, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I just kind of walked through um, a couple of Bible accounts in scripture where Jesus is in a situation with a woman who's, it has a known sexual shit mm-hmm. for all, I, you know, mm-hmm. lack of a better term. Um, yeah. and the way that, that he is with them and yes, he exposes, but he doesn't expose in shame. He says, look, this is the truth about you. Yeah, I know. I know yeah. that. And I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. And I think that's the thing that's for me. Um, that was the game changer for me. And I no longer have to run to, from God because of my shit. I can run to him with my shit and he loves me in the middle of it. And so that is pretty much the premise for the mini bucket sort of, um, kind of leads through and, and I talk about it. Um, so it's kind of like a confession, but then there's just flat out absolution. Um, I think I even Lauren was laughing cause she's like, man, you landed this thing on a word of absolution. Um, you know, just, Hey, you know, go in peace like your sins are forgiven you your faith has saved you go in peace like um and so that's uh kind of what i wanted to do it's it's a um it's a short book uh you can read it probably in about 30 minutes um just kind of takes you through uh quickly um we did that for a couple of reasons um one, how are women, you know, how's the church going to be receptive to such a thing? <laughs> and number two, uh, I'm in, you know, I'm new, uh, to having things published. And so, um, we're, we're doing this with hopes of doing a bigger project next. Um, yeah. but we'll see, you know, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Hey, here's a good word for you and your struggle and Christ yeah. is for you. And so, um, hopefully that's that's what women get out of it i've uh, sent it to a friend of mine um ahead of time that is male and i was like does this help you as you know as a man and he was like yeah it does like the gospel is totally here and um so it was an encouragement for him so but it's definitely geared um, towards women because we've been largely ignored in lots of ways but this is just one of them
1: I find that I find that very in- interesting uh, because the only time I feel like some sort of sexuality would get brought up would be like at a women's conference, uh, maybe a marriage conference. Uh-huh. Uh, I've I've never been to a marriage conference, so I don't know. Um, my my wife and I don't really have a problem <laughs> trying to find our you know r- physical romance. So for us, it's never been. An an issue and my wife's very candid about this stuff with me so it's it's kind Mm -hmm. of in relationships like serious marriage relationship like that's all i've ever known is i've married a strong woman who's very open and honest about Mm -hmm. her sexuality and and um and everything and and she like i remember when i met her she was feeling this condemnation guilt on you know previous sexual experiences she had had before she was married and everything and i was Mm -hmm. like uh, I was like, well, I didn't marry you then. I mean, it was like I married you now, number one. And right. I was like, but none of that matters because I'm yeah. I'm here now, and you know we've committed to each other. And I was like, right. it's completely a different ball game. You don't even have to feel any condemnation. I was like, so having that, like our marriage start like that, um, I feel was very freeing for her and it's kind of set us off on the right foot. And I think right. I don't I don't know like. I have I've I've only been kind of confused when talk about uh especially like a, a, I guess a marriage relationship sex would be stifled in in the church. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with guys it's always like Christian guys and whenever I was in those conversations they would feel like kind of tread around and then someone would say like a kind of sort of dirty dirty joke and it would be like <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um but but I mean I hope I hope my dad's okay with me with sharing this, but it's just something that stuck with me. He was in some sort of argument with elders in one of the in a church we used to go to when I was a kid. I I think I was in high school, Mm -hmm. and I remember that the elders said, "You know, he needs to get in line. There's probably some sin in his life, and he probably it's probably because he masturbates." Oh my (laughs) god! Like that specific. I was like. Wow, so that's always stuck with me. That it was like, okay, so that's you know, that's the deal breaker.
3: <laughs> you know? Oh there's yeah, no hope for me,
1: you know. Uh, so, so it's it's good that books like this, you know, even if it's just a conversation starter. I, there was mm-hmm. a podcast called uh, with Three Christian Women called The Wednesday Nooner. Have you heard of that?
4: No, but that sounds fun.
1: I'm not sure if they're doing if they're still doing it. It was a couple of years back. Uh, fantastic! Um, nice. These three the women seat. talking about you know a women's view of sex and sexuality and women's issues, and um, it was it was great, and it was I was, I think they were on a podcast I had listened to it at, at, at a certain time, and I and had make had to make a note. I need to check this out. I need to let my wife know know about it. Um, so I feel like the conversation start is starting. The conversation is starting to get out there more in, mm-hmm. I guess, Christian circles. But right. it's even a hard, even in secular circles. I'm using secular and Christian terms. I'm sorry. I've, no. I always try to avoid using those terms. But yeah, even in, you know, our society today, these issues, you know, it's still coming up left and right. And mm-hmm. I think that is important. For it's, I feel like with it's a harder road, I feel like, with most women trying to get out there and talk about this stuff than it is a, a man, which is very mm-hmm. unfortunate. And I feel like the conversation's is changing. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, um,
1: so do you do you see that uh, progression? As far as do you find it easier f- to talk about that stuff? Have you gotten pushback yet? Because I know the the more you get out there, the more pushback you you'll, you'll, you'll all of a sudden these. Bros, will <laughs> find Christ. your work. I see it happening with a few uh, women authors that I follow, and um.
4: Yeah, I, um, well, he, and here's the thing. You have, you know, if you want to use secular and Christian or whatever, but even within Christianism, so Christendom, you have the liberal side. And I feel like they've been ahead of the game on this for a while. Um, it's the conservative side of Christendom that is like terrified of sex or they turn it into this super weird thing. Um, and so, like, the books when I was, um, kind of thinking through the mini and, um, the book proposal that I actually put forth was for a full book. Um, and I honestly, the only thing I found that was worth a damn was all from like the, the more liberal side, um, you know, which is helpful because they aren't afraid of psychology either. And so it's like, wow, you're, you're looking at the whole person, not just, you know, some like, I don't know, whatever it is, the conservative side typically, um, Kind of tries to handle everything through a fear lens, like oh, we're scared that yeah. if we tell you it's okay to masturbate, you're gonna do crazy thing. You know, it's like that is the fear. It's like <laughs> right, masturbation, right. and um, I blew that out of the water. <laughs> Lauren and I did on Azer. <laughs> we're just like, you know what? Here's the deal. Um, Good. I feel
1: like this should be like this stuff needs to be because I needs to be discussed you know it's
4: (laughs) right I mean because there is such a thing as a healthy sexuality and it's not something to be feared um and I get the ways that you know we are just broken in 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 ways you know Mm -hmm. I understand that Mm -hmm. and um but instead of like shaming it or being weird about it like just be honest and confess those things and you know let's talk about them um Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I haven't really, as far as pushback, I haven't had any of that yet. Uh, I imagine <laughs> it's coming. I'm, I'm, you know, and writing anything, it's like just having an unedited nude of yourself floating around in the world, anyway. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm kind of starting to feel that like anticipation as this is. Um, you know, coming out that that I'm going to feel even more that way, and I'm sure that um, people on the more conservative side are going to start to panic. But honestly, every conversation that I've had um, leading up to this point has been so positive, and especially with women that are uh, in the more conservative churches, are like breathing a sigh of relief and going, "Oh my gosh." You have no idea what you just said to me, you know, like, and, and that's not, that's not me. That's just me saying, dude, God made you, you're created a sexual being. That's a good thing. I mean, just that Sean is like, I am, you know, like they're hungry. They've been so every part of them has been shamed. Their body's been shamed. Their sexuality has been shamed. I mean, just everything. And so, um, so far, the conversations have been good. Of course, men tend to just be super curious and that can get awkward. Um, <laughs> so I'm navigating. I've had to Would Billy a Graham little.
1: approve of this conversation oh. right now? Would, <laughs> no. I'm not sure.
4: <laughs> well, I don't know. I can't see you and you're in another okay. state. We're safe.
1: Right. So we right, might right. be
4: safe. We might be safe. If we
1: safe. were video Skyping, it'd be a different. <laughs> Different scenario.
4: Yeah, he probably he probably <laughs> frown upon us at that point. We would definitely right. be into some adulterous territory mm-hmm. at that point.
1: We may need a good stern talking to, or uh,
4: yeah, uh, and accountability partners.
1: Yeah, 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 something like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing with i feel like most women feel alone and i'm, I'm just i'm spitballing here i'm a mm-hmm. i'm a white heterosexual male i know nothing about really <laughs> about being a woman uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, well i do i do know from the outside looking in with being married right like i've seen my- like my wife's body has been run through the ringer mm. with having three children and and she's all like the pressure that women have to you got to get that post-pregnancy body oh, back and gosh. all this stuff. And this, this yeah. focus on image is something that I know that plagues her. And mm-hmm. it's and she never she never believes me when I say, no, you're enough. You're enough. You are, mm-hmm. I you know, and I feel like I don't know. I, I I talk to other men, and the other men in, in, in our lives and our circle of friends seem to be very supportive of their wives as well. But um, I want to say to any guy that's listening, like if you haven't told your wife that like she is enough, like you need to do that more. Number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and what advice would you give, I, I guess, women kind of navigating that? Because this is something I feel like um, I think I feel like every woman, especially in the United States, deals with this.
4: Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I actually shared a um video on my Facebook this past week. Uh it was on bathing suits and it was all these different size shapes of women um putting on bathing suits and saying like, oh, this is so frustrating. Like we don't look like that whole beach body thing. Like we don't look um like we're supposed to look. And then um but it's funny because each of them, you know, I'm sitting there looking at them. All being different, you know, um, ethnicities and sizes and I'm going, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful about her and this is so beautiful about her and this, you know, like I'm not seeing the thing that they're seeing that's causing tears as they have these bathing suits on, but I know how hard I am on myself and I, you know, I think you're right. I mean, I think all women, whether you've had um, babies or not, uh, right. there's just this idea of what the ideal body, the ideal female body is supposed to look like. And it sucks. Um, you know, I, have I figured out the the thing that um, is the cure for that? Honestly, I'll, I'll be for real. Like, I haven't found that thing except just to, um, you know, like I take notice of my friends and their bodies and the things that they say they hate. And I'm constantly like, dude, no, like, you know, cause I have this friend that she's like, Oh, I have the biggest butt. I'm like, I freaking love your butt. Like, <laughs> I, have butt envy. I don't understand, you know? And so, you know, I've started and I had this conversation with my daughter recently that, you know what? Like I've just started talking to myself in my head, the way that I would talk to my friend, you know, and, um, I actually had that conversation, like I said, with my daughter recently that, you know, as she's starting to not necessarily pick up at her body yet, but just her, um, personality or whatever. Cause she's a very, um, she's very individualistic. It's really neat to see. Um, she definitely kind of beats uh goes to the beat of her own drum and encouraging her and that and i'm like dude if so if 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 your best friend was talking about herself or if someone else was talking about your friend the way you're talking about you how would you feel and she was just like jaw dropped and she was like oh i'd be pissed yeah and i'm like all right then you and i need to start getting pissed that we would talk about ourselves that way you know and so i don't know that's kind of where i'm going right now like i struggle uh like last summer like i was really fit and i got hit with asthma this year and so i'm just not and at first i was kind of bummed i'm like what sarah come on like you know because all oh, my thighs are a little bigger and it's like no like girl rock them thighs rock it <laughs> like stop like you know and so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I definitely think like men, um, husbands, boyfriends, whatever, being encouraging. Um, but I think we need our we need to change our inner dialogue and um, talk to ourselves that way, too, because honestly, if your inner dialogue is super negative, I think it's hard to hear someone else tell you what they see because you're going to kind of, oh, sure. You know, so, yes, mm-hmm. it's awesome. And men should be encouraging in that. Um, but women have to change their inner dialogue to themselves yeah. as well. And I think it's just going to be a battle. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like I, yeah. you know, but I think talking about it and voicing it and hearing that you're not alone in that whole body mm-hmm. shaming inner dialogue that you have. Like everyone has that, um, is helpful. I don't know. I don't know if that's yeah, super gonna... feminist of me. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> or not, I mean, Whatever. That's I the think acceptable self, answer.
1: <laughs> self worth is definitely important, and and I can see the frustration because I think dads, dads and men get a pass. It's like, oh, is the dad bod is in now. And oh yeah, things like that. You know?
3: <laughs> where's the mom bod? And, I uh, need the mom bod. Uh, yeah, it. I mean, Damn come
1: it. on. I mean, <laughs> so it's 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 the dichotomy or the. I don't know. It's the the differences are there, and I think being aware of all that is is good and helpful, and keeping the conversation going mm-hmm. is something that I try to do with with my wife. I have a daughter who's eleven; she's going to be twelve this year. So mm-hmm. we're I'm, we're about to get in some shit.
4: Yes, <laughs> my daughter's about twelve, real. about to be thirteen. So, son, oh I'm gonna gosh. pray for you because it's yeah. a brutal.
1: <laughs> so there's and and what I <laughs> as, as a man like showing like. Uh, my, I'm I'm the I'm the example of a man in her life, so I'm constantly thinking about that, and that's I think mm-hmm. that's helped me uh, become more supportive. And and I mean, and I'm not. I, just the other day, my wife got super pissed at me because I said something idiotic and sexist and stupid. So I'm not like saying that I'm perfect at <laughs> right, all. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I right, was in the doghouse right. for a good day and a half. <laughs> I probably still am a little bit.
4: That's funny, <laughs> yeah.
1: But it, this, the the we're fighting against a culture that has perpetuated this male dominance, this misogynistic mm-hmm. idea through film and music and in we're at a point now where I think a lot of women and and men together are fighting back against that perception which yes. is important. Mm-hmm. I don't say that I'm a feminist. I don't like when guys are like, oh, I'm a feminist. I'm like, ah oh, man, <sighs> you have no idea what it's Do you, <laughs> you you, you support feminism, I, I can give right. you that, but you're not, you're not a feminist yourself. Don't, don't take that away from women too, okay.
4: <laughs> That's funny. See, and even me, I'm like, I'm a budding feminist. like I'm getting there, <laughs> like even I'm afraid to like right, right. own that yeah. feminist card. Like I just I think I get it. and then I'm like, yeah. oh, Sarah.
1: <laughs> well, the, the dialogue's important, and I want to thank you for keeping the dialogue going. Uh, your book is called uh, Women and Lust, Exposed, Forgiven, and Embraced. People can find it over at com. It's through New Growth Press, so there's, there'll be a link in the show notes there as well. And of course, Azer Uncaged. Check out the podcast, dot com. Sarah, thank you so much for spending some time with me today.
4: Yeah, Sean, thanks so much. I appreciate it.
1: Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. I want to thank Lauren R.E. Larkin and Sarah Terrace of Azer Uncaged for joining me on this episode. Please check out their podcast, Azer Uncaged, E-Z-E-R, Uncaged. Search for it in iTunes, you'll find it, or any of your podcast catchers. You can also check them out at AzerUncaged.com. All these links will be in the show notes, and uh, it's just a fantastic Perspective, fantastic podcast from these two ladies. A lot of great interviews coming up the next few weeks here based around the topic of feminism. I gotta be honest, I was extremely uh, terrified to tackle this subject, but um, I have a lot of strong and interesting women to talk to, and uh, they're making it a lot easier for me as I as, I, as I'm kind of on this journey myself to, uh, to understand and hopefully become more of a, uh, more of a feminist myself. I'm going to go ahead and say that. <laughs> Please check out back episodes of the podcast over at AXPX.com as well as links to all of our social media. Again, if you would like to become a patron saint, it's only a dollar a month. That's over at our Patreon, patreon.com slash the AXPX. I want to thank all of you for listening, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.